Time to feed James Conner. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Danny Sarek joins me. If there is a week to feature Connor, especially in the run game, then this is the week. He's going back to Pittsburgh, where his football career began, first in college, then the NFL. Plus, weather might be a factor, which is particularly concerning to Danny. Plus, Pro Bowl voting is underway. Who deserves your vote? It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 705, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, one heart, one threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half the 5. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Wow. Here's Craig Grealoux. Because it is never too early to look at Sunday's forecast, and specifically the forecast in Pittsburgh, Danny, it would appear that maybe you're going to have to pack some rain gear for Sunday's contest against the Steelers. I wouldn't have a problem if I were only packing rain gear, or I were only packing warm clothes, Craig. But when you have to account for a heavy coat and beanies and gloves and all these extra layers on top of rain a lot of those types of coats that are really going to keep you warm aren't the best types of coats for rain so I'm a little stressed trying to figure out how I'm going to pack two days away thank you for bringing it up it is well and it's also a two-day trip because the Cardinals are leaving on Friday so thank you for that reminder I did ask Paul when I was looking at the weather from my desk we share an office on Monday and I said uh Paul have you checked the weather he said nope I don't look till Friday and I thought okay good luck with that Paul so I'm not sure that he uh is aware of the weather he's going to be facing down on the sideline for radio during the game last check and again this is Wednesday forecast can change between now and Sunday 50 percent chance of rain. I'm not sure it's supposed to rain during the game, though. Someone That's, was looking yeah. at the hourly, and I think it's it's supposed to be the high of like 54 by that point by kickoff and, and not really rain. <sighs> Basically, all you care about are I the I care two- about a lot of things. <laughs> okay. With respect to weather on game day, all you care about are the two hours leading up to kickoff. So, And the final few minutes of postgame when I go onto the That's field. That's true. Okay, but as we established... If you I'm are... in a warm press box during the game, I don't care what's <laughs> happening out on the field. So no rain pregame, no rain postgame, and it can have a downpour, and we'll just worry. let Paul worry about himself. Every man for themselves, Craig. I love it. Although I did find it interesting that the weather questions that were asked this week were by you. You asked Drew Petsy. Well, you yeah, asked it's Jonathan been Gannon. on my mind. <laughs> Walk around the locker room during the uh, media availability and ask guys if they have any issues with the weather. Because really, really, I mean, we joke about it, but this month, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Philadelphia. No roof, no roof, no roof. And it's this December and could be raining, could be windy. Well, if it's raining, it's pretty much going to be snow, Craig. (laughs) Depends. I'll be fine. In the and studio. that's all that matters. Exactly. As long that as you're nice and warm and dry and cozy. Appreciate that. By the way, did you notice during the open portion of practice that the team is preparing as if it might be an issue as far as wet stuff? They were dipping the football in a bucket of water, working on center quarterback exchanges and then handoffs to running backs. Now it's 
not full speed. It's not the entire team. But we saw this a little bit earlier in the season prior to the trip to Seattle. So there is that is really the only thing a team in the desert can do to prepare for either snow or rain is to work on that football. Which is good or bad that you can't really replicate the kind of weather here in the desert because as someone who lives here, that's great. But if you're playing football, uh, you might wish that you could to a certain extent. I do think a lot of players on this team actually have quite a bit of either experience from earlier in their careers or in college. And also a lot of this coaching staff has experience of playing in inclement weather. And I say inclement because freezing and snow is inclement to me and my preferences. Uh, But pretty much every coach or player that I have talked to about this has just said it's really a mindset it really is mental the adrenaline is going to kick in they're going to be moving their bodies it's just important to stay warm for the players on the sideline the bike walking around you know doing a little high knees whatever you do to keep that blood pumping and maybe wear you know some hand warmers or you know and you're on the bench or some sleeves or gloves if you don't normally the coaches those are the ones that are going to have to be you know walking in place and and doing their best to stay warm during the game, stay by the heaters. Yeah, if you're standing and watching, yeah, it's a problem. But if you're between the lines and you're playing, as long as it's not a downpour, I think everyone can deal with it. But we'll see because this is this is something new. This is something unique potentially on Sunday. And while a team like the Steelers this week, sure, they have an advantage, they're practicing in that, when it comes to the game – It's not like they're not going to be cold. So while there might be an advantage, I'm not sure how much of a true advantage it really is on game day because even if you're practicing it, I mean, you're still cold. You're still having to go out and play in it. I would hope, even regardless of the weather, but just based off, one, his familiarity with Pittsburgh and the fact that he wasn't utilized a lot a week ago, that James Conner gets a lot of attention on Sunday. It's a little bit of a homecoming. It's not a little bit. It is a homecoming for him. Played his college ball there, started his NFL career in Pittsburgh. And if you have bad weather, what do you do? Well, it makes it difficult to throw the ball. you got to be able to run the ball. And I would like to see James Conner get more than just the six carries that he got Sunday against the Rams, only two of which happened after that first drive. Season low, 27 rushing yards. Which was interesting because it's not like the Cardinals were having great success in the passing game, so to move away from the run game was an interesting decision, whether or not that was truly flow of game or the game plan or whatever led to that decision. I would expect the Cardinals to get back to running the ball the way they had earlier in the season prior prior to last week's game, especially, again, from someone who has experience playing this weather, somebody who has experience playing in what's going to be a hostile environment. Um, James Conner does a fantastic job of finding the holes and getting that extra yardage. He is not easy to bring down. And so I think when you're coming off a week for the Cardinals, who were not two-dimensional, didn't really have success at all, not just offensively, but but all three phases, I would expect them to kind of go back to the basics, hand the rock off to James Conner, and let him do his thing. I like what you said there. Back to the basics. Establish the run. Give the ball to James Conner, who is averaging better than five yards a carry. That would be a career high. He ranks seventh in the league in 5.1 yards per carry. But it's the not the yards per carry. It's the number of carries. He's only averaging 13 carries a game this season. That's a career-low mark since joining the Cardinals. 
and to take some pressure off of maybe a Kyler Murray, to give him a little bit more help, turn and hand the ball off to number six. Let him get those tough yards, those yards after contact. See what he can do. He was phenomenal that opening drive. Running the ball, catching the ball, and then all of a sudden he and the rest of the run game just disappeared, and it just went downhill from there, in the words of Kyler Murray, on that offense as far as the first drive until late in the fourth quarter. But I would hope that the game plan this week, and I get it, the Steelers' defense is a tough one, but you have to be able to run the football in order to be successful in the National Football League. I do think the offensive line didn't have their best performance against L.A., and I'm sure that played a a pretty large role in the holes that were created for James Conner and and how quickly he was able – to find those, I, I, it seemed like it was also creating some difficulty for Kyler Murray and the pressure and, and how much time he had in the pocket. This is a difficult Pittsburgh defense. They're good at stopping the run. They've got, not even arguably, but the best defensive player in the in the league in T.J. Watt. And when I asked James earlier in the week, uh, how do you get past him? He just kind of smiled and said, you got to run fast. Like, you know he's going to make plays. You got to be ready for that. And you got to run fast. It's going to be a challenge for the Cardinals, but they have really done a pretty nice job when you look at the season as a whole running the ball. So now it's just time to get back to that. Connor described T.J. Watt as a machine. We've heard Jonathan Gannon describe Watt as a train wreck type of player as far as he can wreck the game, much like an Aaron Donald. That's not what J.G. calls him. What does he call those types of players, Craig? Oh, Blanken. War daddies. War daddies, that's right. <laughs> How many different war daddies have they, as he named, there's like oh, one a man. week. Yeah, Nick Bosa, Aaron Donald, Micah Parsons. I'm sure there are plenty others I'm forgetting. But that's someone that you have to be aware of. You have to know where he is. And typically, it's a little bit different, though, with Aaron Donald because the key has always been, okay, you run at an Aaron Donald. You don't make him try to chase you because he will track you down. T.J. Watt's a little bit different kind of an animal he doesn't he's not typically in the middle of the defensive line he lines up different places he can burn you just as much in the pass game as he can in the run game so very curious where he lines up how many times we see Watt against DJ Humphreys against Paris Johnson is he covering James Conner out of the backfield where is T.J. Watt in relation to what the Cardinals want to do on offense? For the most part, this offensive line has done a nice job negating their their opponent's top rusher or you know big guy on on the in the front seven. So, look, T.J. Watt is is kind of a different animal in that aspect. But hopefully, this offensive line can kind of I don't want to say pick things up because it wasn't a good performance against the Rams, but turn things around. And and maybe that means you have your starting left guard and Elijah Wilkinson back who returned to practice Wednesday after missing five weeks with a neck injury. That's going to be a curious decision. That practice window opened up on Wednesday. Is he able to play this week? And if he is, what do you do at left guard? He was your starter the first six games, although we did see... Tristan Colon, Dennis Daly kind of rotate in towards the latter half of those six games, and then Wilkinson gets hurt, and then there was a revolving door at left guard. But the last couple of weeks, it's been Carter O'Donnell. O'Donnell. But but last week, Tristan Colon came in for O'Donnell, so that's why I'm not even assuming that Wilkinson is healthy enough. To me, it doesn't seem like it would be a question at all. He would probably come back in as your starter. 
so you don't lose your spot based off an injury, or you think this team saw someone differently, whether it's O'Donnell or Cologne. Daly's been in, has been inactive and it's kind of not been available. But again, you're talking about one piece on that offensive line, but who are your best five in order to get James Conner going, that running game going, and protect Kyler Murray? Well, it was Elijah Wilkinson before he got hurt. So I would assume that he would be able, if he's healthy enough, to come back and, and slide back into that spot. So Wilkinson designated to return. Still nothing on Zach Ertz. His window has been open now for a couple of weeks. Though, according to head coach Jonathan Gannon, quote, nothing's changed with respect to Ertz's status, who remains on IR with a quad issue. By the way, Wilkinson's designated to return, not the biggest designated to return on Wednesday. Aaron Rodgers designated to return. How wild is that? <laughs> we had the news that Wilkinson was designated to return, and five minutes later it was like, oh, he's back. Aaron Rodgers is back. 11 weeks post-surgery. I'm sorry, I just I can't comprehend that. There are lots of theories on Twitter, Craig. I kind of stay away from social media. I do my best anyway. I'm not going to get into them, but people have questions. People have questions. All right. No question as far as what we saw during the open portion of practice on Wednesday. How about some good news? I love good news. Kevin Strong is back. Can you talk news. about trying to defend that two-headed monster with the Steelers rushing attack? You want to make sure that you have as many bodies as possible. Jonathan Ledbetter has been banged up. Kevin Strong has been banged up. We didn't see him last week. You're going to need someone with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren running the football for the Steelers. So you hope that you have a full complement of defensive linemen, at least five healthy that you can have out there and keep that rotation to where guys aren't having to play like Dante Stills did where he was playing 80% of the snaps one week. That has been an adjustment. And with all these injuries and the adversities, it's not just the personnel this defense has really had to shy away on the defensive line from what we saw the first couple of weeks when they were healthier of having that true rotation and keeping players fresh. And they just haven't really had that at their disposal. It's been something that is every year, and I've said this before, but it seems like every season there's a position group and then a body part that hits that group. And for the defensive line, it was bicep, Carlos Watkins, LJ Collier done for the season. Kaiser White now has a biceps injury. We don't know if he's going to be out for the season. I think he is, although you have to see Kaiser and ask him if he is trying to seek a second opinion, as Gannon said he is, as far as trying to get back on the field for the last two games. Wouldn't surprise me. It would be a little bit of a, I don't know if it's worth it with two games left to go, but that defensive line has certainly had a number of issues. By the way, speaking of the defensive line, Dante Stills, sideline exchange conversation he was this week he was great he is I mean this whole rookie class we've talked about it just how spectacular they are the character really shows he was he was great he was really honest he's got such a fun bubbly personality which you can see at practice he is always dancing and enjoying himself obviously putting in the hard work but he's definitely living his life and enjoying where he is right now and it was a good conversation JG had said about a week or two ago that Stills had made the most significant rookie jump since training camp. So we talked about what Stills has been doing to be as impactful as he has. His three and a half sacks are seventh most amongst rookies in the league. In this Cardinals defensive lineman room, he was the most sacks, tied for the most tackles and tackles for loss. He, he really has been 
effective in the role that they have asked him. He's also from, I didn't realize, it was a nice coincidence, I didn't realize how close Fairmont, West Virginia, which is where Stills is from, um, is how close it is to Pittsburgh. It's not It's not super close. He said it was probably like an hour, an hour and a half, but he's gone to Pittsburgh quite a bit growing up, and he has a lot of friends and family, he said, coming out for this game. So that'll be out on azcarnals.com and our official YouTube channel Thursday. That's a big rivalry in college football. Pittsburgh and West Virginia, the backyard brawl. James Conner mentioned he's going to have about 15 to 20 family and friends at the game on Sunday. So Dante Stills going to have some family and friends. And old coaches. He said a lot of them are Steelers fans, but they are there to cheer for him. <laughs> Make sure. Make sure you're wearing your red and not uh, Steelers black and gold. Stills is a great story. Six-round draft pick out of West Virginia, someone that I don't know if the plan was to have him see a lot of playing time this season as a sixth-round pick. But as we discussed, the revolving door at defensive line and guys getting hurt opens up the door for someone else to step up, and Stills has done that. Five starts, 58% of the defensive snaps in four straight games, and I think has opened up a lot of eyes for a lot of people on the coaching staff to say, not only have we found someone that can be a rotation player, but maybe with another full offseason without having to worry about you know, getting ready for the combine and the draft process to where he might be able to develop into a starter, someone who gets those consistent starter nods as opposed to getting it this year because basically there's no one else. I think something that also could likely benefit stills in that situation is when you look at the needs of the rest of this team when you're going to start approaching the offseason the draft and free agency and there are there are a lot of glaring needs for this team and you're not going to be able to put all of your resources towards the defensive line which is going to create some opportunity for stills to again continue to improve and and part of the reason probably earn maybe more of that starting role if you're going to have to maybe stick with some of the players you've had this year. And the fact that LJ Collier and Carlos Watkins didn't have a lot of playing time here, Stills might have a leg up on them after a full offseason next year. I mean, really anything is possible, not just with Stills, but this whole rookie class. Think of what we've seen from Garrett Williams in the secondary. I think he can still make drastic jumps with a full offseason, a full season, and whether or not this coaching staff is going to want to keep him more with the safeties. Are they going to be able to move him outside? Is that a thought in the future when you're looking at your cornerback depth. Keetra Clark, who started the season again in, in a in a similar way to where Stills finds himself now, is more just you didn't really have a lot of other options and then had a few weeks he set out and Clark has found himself back in the lineup, the starting lineup, and, and having a significant role on this defense. This rookie class as a whole, there is a lot of opportunity and potential from what we have seen in a small sample size of their career so far and then what you would expect from that with a full offseason. 36 starts by the Cardinals 2023 draft class. A year ago, 22 starts. And then you throw in, not throw in, but you talk about Amari DiMercato, Elijah Higgins, Starling Thomas. Now all of a sudden rookies have made 42 starts so far this season. You're getting contributions from those young players. Again, would you like to maybe have some veterans, at least initially, and let those rookies come along? Well, Paris Johnson was ready from week one. I think Garrett Williams would have been ready from week one if he was healthy. 
And then you bring up Keytrail Clark, who, by the way, is this week's guest on the Big Red Rage Thursday live at Trophy a, in Chandler. It's going to be a good one. That's a good guest for a live radio show. Not that the others haven't been good, but he has got a great personality. He's great to chat with. That one's going to be fun to listen to or go in person and watch. Talked with him a little bit during the open portion or media availability on Wednesday. Asked him about his introduction on Sunday, coming out and doing the flip. And he looked at me and he was like, I've been doing that all the time. I was like... Yeah, that's probably going to be in his next contract. Well, uh, maybe don't and be I'm doing there, those I was flips. like, you've done that before? He's like, yeah. I go, okay, well, you're going out there with everyone. And it just it was because it was announced as a starter and our team photographer, Kalen Epps, got the picture, got several great shots. And I think that's why it stood out. But he says he's been doing this since he was a kid. That reminds me of when we learned that Marco Wilson was doing parkour, like as a kid growing up, and then was basically like, yeah, I was pretty much told to stop doing that when I started getting serious about football. I would imagine if it hasn't been a conversation yet, it's probably been a thought of somebody pretty high up in the building after seeing those pictures of, hmm, maybe somebody should tell Keetrell Clark to not do flips and possibly, you know, roll an ankle or land on your back when you're doing intros out for the game. Yeah, I wonder if he does it. It was cool, though. Oh, it was outstanding. I don't know if he'll do it this week in Pittsburgh. I think it's more of just a home stadium thing, but you're right. Do you want someone to do a front flip, back flip, <laughs> I mean, look, it's and turn cool. an ankle? It's, it's good vibes, Craig. It's good vibes. I'll say this. There were some good vibes in talking with Keytrell and in Darren Urban joined in as well so I'm expecting a story soon on azcardinals.com about the journey that Keytrell Clark has had this season you start the first half a dozen games and all of a sudden your play time gets cut and then you don't see yourself getting any defensive snaps then you're inactive and he mentioned he had to go back to the drawing board and it was a little bit of everything as far as technique and what he needed to do to get back on that football field he said he went back and looked at every single play of his in which he was starting and seeing where he was doing well, what he wasn't doing well, and he said it was the best thing that's happened to him so far in his early career was to be benched so he could have a little bit of a reset and get to this point now, and you hope that you don't see Keytrail Clark back on the bench the rest of the season. He said he learned how resilient he really is. It's very clear it is not just talking out of the sides of their mouth when this coaching staff, this front office says – team first, you second, and that they are going to look at the drawing board every single week and decide who gives them the best chance to be successful and to win a game. That's been seen with Keetrell Clark. That's been seen with cornerback Marco Wilson, who played 100% of the defensive snaps through seven weeks, then started to see those numbers dwindle, and then only played special teams Sunday against the Rams. And when Starling Thomas went out with an ankle and was immediately ruled out of the game, it was rookie Devod Wilson who was called up from the prior, elevated from the practice squad that week that went in at cornerback. You're really seeing this staff. It's it's it. There really is no ego. It's not well. You're a veteran. Well, you were already playing. Well, we're just going to keep you. We're just going to let you have this long leash. That's that is not what's happening here. I think you see the same thing with the release of running back Keontae Ingram, who was not finding success he was struggling to have to find positive yardage and when you've got Amari Di Mercado, Tony Jones Jr. on the practice squad you bring in Michael Carter all behind James Conner decisions have to be made and it's very clear this coaching staff it has no problem benching somebody or cutting somebody if they don't feel like 
they're doing the best for the team in terms of giving them a chance to win. Be interesting to see what happens this week with Marco Wilson specifically, especially now knowing that Starling Thomas is out with an ankle injury. At least he did not practice on Wednesday because of that ankle. If this is something that keeps him on the sideline this week, it was Devon Wilson who got the defensive snaps, not Marco. But if you know going into this week and you practice – is there a way for Marco Wilson to get back on the football field on defense this week? And knowing that Jalen Thompson on the injury report Wednesday with ribs, that's kept him off the practice field on Wednesday. It was a back issue late last week, and now it's a rib injury, and you still don't know about Antonio Hamilton who's dealing with a groin injury. So now all of a sudden you've got three of your defensive backs who may or may not be available this week against the Steelers. And Marco Wilson, who is healthy and was a healthy scratch as far as not seeing defensive snaps on Sunday against the Rams, is he able to get back on the football field? Is Was his benching just a one-week thing, or was it part of a larger plan, although injuries now have affected that plan? Well, that's a good question. I, I couldn't imagine the staff saying, well, you know, we didn't feel like he was ready last week. We'll put him out there just because we have injuries. I, I feel like, based on what we saw, if Antonio Hamilton is not good to play with that groin, it would probably be Keetra Clark and Devad Wilson getting the start because that's who was finishing the game. Unless you see drastic improvements, whatever needs to be seen by Marco Wilson. I would imagine this team rides with how the game ended against the Rams and you have Clark and... Devon Wilson out there. That's I can't say Wilson. You have to now clarify yeah, which which cornerback Wilson you're talking about, and don't forget about Michael Wilson on the offense. Yeah, there's there's got to be some way to designate or at least uh, distinguish which Wilson as opposed to just saying the entire first name. But on the subject of Michael Wilson, did not practice on Wednesday because of a shoulder injury. We did not see Hollywood Brown, and he was not a participant on Wednesday dealing with that heel that he had late last week, and he toughed it out on Sunday and then Trey McBride showed up on the injury report on Wednesday with a groin injury although McBride was out at practice during the open portion he was in his practice uniform had a baseball hat on Cardinals hat on he was watching just not participating so things to keep an eye on as far as Wednesday until Sunday you're talking about two of your top wide receivers two of your top cornerbacks and in three of your top defensive backs going into this week when you don't have, at least from a passing offensive standpoint, the Steelers don't throw the ball a ton, although Kenny Pickett is coming off the best game of his season as far as throwing the ball and his accuracy with a brand-new offensive coordinator last week against the Bengals. So how much more of the passing game do the Steelers showcase this week because Pickett was so successful? And then, of course, they pay attention to the injury report. Hey, they might be down a couple of cornerbacks and maybe even Jalen Thompson. It's just interesting. Pittsburgh hasn't really thrown the ball. I think I think it's one passing touchdown since maybe like week six or seven, something kind of crazy like that. They, they've really relied on running the ball. And when you have a change with your offensive coordinator, do you really have a lot to look at besides – one week's worth of film I, I'm not sure if so much has changed to where it's like okay we there's no point in even looking at two or three weeks ago who this team was because it's so different now that's 
that's interesting. That's a challenge for the Cardinals if that's the case. You also had the Steelers getting their tight end, Pat Fryermuth, back. And last week, nine catches, 120 receiving yards. It was his second game back after missing five with a hamstring injury. So another different weapon for that Steelers offense and then something to pay attention to for the Cardinals on defense but again I don't like to make a big deal about the injury report on Wednesday it is the first of the week it does give you an indication of what happened on Sunday going into this week but then going into week 13 what do the Cardinals have at their availability especially at wide receiver because Michael Wilson being on the shelf is not good when you don't have that height and that wide receiver room and then Hollywood Brown, that target for Kyler Murray, yeah, we did see more production on Sunday, but a lot of that production, Kyler brought it up, Hollywood brought it up, was end-of-game production. Pad the stats, just try to get something, and maybe it was just try to get something positive going into this week. It was garbage time, and by that point, I mean the Rams weren't even playing Matthew Stafford. So take that into consideration of, you know, that Greg Dortch touchdown, not to take it away from Dortch or this offense, but it was garbage time and that those were the numbers. And I like that post-game Hollywood Brown was saying, you know, just because we were connecting at the end of the game doesn't mean the struggles we've been having the last two or three weeks are gone. I, I like that you that he you were able to see that he had that accountability and he understood that and wasn't trying to sugarcoat something that clearly has been a problem for the two of them. Last item here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, Pro Bowl voting. It is underway. It has started. You can go to ProBowl.com forward slash vote. That is ProBowl.com forward slash vote. You can vote now through December 25th. Any specific players, Cardinal fans, should highlight offense, defense, special teams? Hmm. Who is deserving there, well, there, of Danny's look, there are some cla- right there. There's ones where there's no question of Buda Baker. I think Jalen Thompson, that safety duo, has performed really well. I think w- when you look at the numbers, it's hard to see someone like Hollywood when, for the better part of the season, he hasn't a good job of getting open. But I would say safeties, Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson, absolutely. I think rookie right tackle Paris Johnson Jr. has had a fantastic start to his career which is hard I feel like that's one of the positions where unless you're that a fan of that team nobody's really going to give offensive or defensive linemen the love that they deserve and despite missing four weeks being on IR with the knee injury James Conner has put up fantastic numbers not just from a Cardinal standpoint but around the league those would probably be my, my top four that stand out right away. I agree with all those. I'm going to add two more names. And again, when you're 2-10, and ten, it's much more difficult to attract votes. But I'll give you two names. Trey McBride. That's now, his one. numbers aren't eye-popping, but they are eye-popping when it comes to Cardinals tight ends. 48 catches, nine more, and he establishes a new franchise single-season mark. And then I'm going to give you Matt Prater who has six field goals of 50 or more yards. Yeah, he missed on Sunday, but he has been automatic from beyond 50. And that is something that, yeah, you vote in a place kicker, you vote in a long snapper, you vote in specialists, and it would be nice to see some recognition for Matt Prater, who when you you call upon him, you almost take for granted that every time he steps on the field, he's going to make that kick, even the 56-yarder that he missed, because he got too much of the turf on his on his plant leg. Those are two good additions to my list, absolutely. Do you approve? I do approve. 
You know what you don't approve of? Lots of things, but what are we going to talk about? Did you notice how I started the show on Wednesday as opposed to the previous several weeks? You didn't look at my Twitter, which I believe is what you were about to read off the paper now. Wednesday, oh, just from this morning. Yeah. Wednesday Bring morning. Bring this up, Craig. Let's go. I want to talk about this. Again. Wow. Danny's approving of a lot of what I'm doing on this Wednesday edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, as she adjusts herself in the chair and sits up straight in front of the microphone. Wednesday morning, Danny posted the following. I've seen more cars decorated as reindeer than I'm comfortable with. Two. I saw two cars, which is too, too many. You don't like the reindeer look? I do not. I think it's probably a lot of parents who are trying to please their kids or do something fun. Do that with your Christmas lights. Do that with your decorations in your front yard. Do that with how you decorate inside your car. It is just so beyond obnoxious to me. Thankfully, we're past the point where people who are driving slug bugs, which first of all, people (laughs) don't drive anymore. They used to put like those eyelashes on the lights. We're, We're past all of this. You don't need to be putting, unless... Even I'm not even a fan of putting like a team's flag on your car, to be honest. I just, the, the dressing, dressing up, decorating your car like a reindeer with the red nose and the antlers and all of that is just so obnoxious to me. I mean, like you're an adult. You're an adult if you're driving a car. You don't need to be driving a car that looks like a reindeer. And I, I love Christmas lights, Christmas movies, the, the whole vibe of the holidays. I'm not anti any of that. I just think it is so beyond ridiculous to drive a car decorated like a reindeer. You're not eight years old. I don't know if this is a controversial take or not. I have no idea. I didn't realize this was a button that I pushed. I don't know why it is, but it is. (laughs) Okay. Start calling you the Grinch? No. Is that too strong? I do love that movie. So Okay. It's probably one of my favorite movies of all time. I've seen more cars decorated as reindeer this morning than I'm comfortable with. And you said two. Uh, when two. I saw this on social media, I figured, I don't know, you saw like the entire six okay, reindeer. Okay, but how, how often do you see, I, I don't right? Know. So the fact that I saw two okay. on my short drive to yeah, work. that's true. Oh, gosh. I thought I was being punked. Wow. Okay. Now, this is how you... Now, if anyone's listening to this right now, if you've reached this far of Cardinal Cover 2 on Wednesday, if you do want to punk Danny, this is what you do. (laughs) Come decorate my car. (laughs) You find where her car is parked, and you decorate it in reindeer. I don't want to talk about car situations right now, Craig. It's a a sore subject at the moment. I'm not going to open up that door. We did that earlier in the day. I'm not going to open it up again here for everyone to... Thank you. We can revisit that conversation in a couple of weeks. Is that fair? Yeah, let's hope so. All right. This week, it's about Pittsburgh, and hopefully Danny stays dry. If it does rain, who cares? Sorry, Paul. It's just not your day. That's fair, right? I do think that's fair. Okay. On that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.